How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Well, as uh, as we like to uh, start out every Tuesday night, welcome to How About That Cigar. Today, it is episode number 20. 20? 20, yeah. The podcast is almost... Bente? Almost old enough to drink, but not quite. Uh, but I am old enough to drink, so I've got a little uh, local uh, local porter, and uh, we're going to be firing up uh, these lovely cigars. We have a great guest on the show this evening. Uh, we'll introduce him in just a few minutes, but mm-hmm. uh, we're going to start out this evening with the Southern Draw Brimstone. This is the uh, Jacob's Ladder Brimstone. Beautiful, beautiful uh, Perfecto cigar. We're going to light these up right now. And uh, Garrett, the uh, the Minnesota Twins had an awesome walk-off win last night. Oh, Sano. Sano in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, it's one of those dream moments for a baseball player. Absolutely. Bottom of the ninth. And uh, and he hits uh, he hits a two run walk off to uh, to win the game and it was a great moment. Um, right now, as we speak, maybe not such a great moment because uh, Atlanta is uh, all over the Twins five nothing. So uh, you know it is what it is. Cleveland, fortunately, because Cleveland is three games back, um, they seem to also be struggling mm-hmm. a little bit right now. So you know that helps the Twins keep pace and keep a little bit of a lead. And hopefully uh, things can uh, bounce back a little bit. I certainly hope so. And, you know, they have been a bit of a roller coaster lately, but I think the overall trajectory is in a good place. Uh, Big Bear, thanks for tuning in. Trenda, thanks for coming on. And Mr. Folks, good to have you guys. Hey, we got folks. We got folks. Hey, um, thanks, guys, so much for joining us. Um, as always, we ask if you would please uh, get the word out that the broadcast has gone live. So please uh, share the link to uh, all of your favorite cigar groups on Facebook. Let everybody know that we are live and we are in living color. Um, I would like to give a very special RIP to one of America's greatest literary minds. And uh, Toni Morrison died today at the age of 88. Um, first African-American woman to win a Nobel Prize for literature and just a a rock star. And one of my favorite quotes is, um, if you want to fly, you got to give some shit up that's weighing you down. Hey, that's a good quote. I like that. Straight Um, from Toni Morrison. I got to be honest. I'm I'm not familiar with that author, but. uh, Oh, uh, uh, rock star. Uh, Brand, uh, I'm sorry. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Mr. James, John Bradford. Thanks for, thanks for, uh, joining us. Yeah. We appreciate everybody who's watching. Um, for those of you who are watching, you want to stay tuned. You want to stay around. You want to make sure to leave comments because we have some great stuff to give away, uh, this evening. Um, and, uh, but right we off will. the bat, let us know what you're smoking. If you're smoking, yeah, let us know what you're smoking with us. Yeah, um, absolutely. As Matt mentioned, we are smoking the Southern Draw, Jacob's Ladder, Brimstone. Uh, my first time, and I've been told it was a good thing that I just ate because it apparently has some strengths. Yes, sir. And um, it's no um, far stretch to 
bring on the guest that we have today. Um, Speaking of Southern Draw. And we would like to, right now, without further ado, welcome directly to the broadcast, live from Austin, Texas, the chief evangelist for Southern Draw Cigars, Mr. Robert Holt. Robert, how are you this evening? Robert. Doing well, doing well. Glad to join you. Absolutely. We're grateful to have you here. And uh, Robert, uh, tell everybody about uh, how things are this evening in the beautiful city of Austin, Texas. Well, I avoid the uh, concrete and glass of downtown. I lived a little bit outside of town here. But uh, listen, it's a, a balmy 98 degrees here at 834 Central Standard Time. So, you know, not bad. It's hot enough. The bugs aren't flying. So uh, I'm going to puff on a few cigars with you, gentlemen, and uh, we're just going to make the best of it. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Sounds love great. It. What are you smoking? I am on the tail end of a 300 Hands Connecticut. That's the Petite Mundo. Most people call it a Robusto. But, uh, you know, given the heat, I thought I would start a little bit lighter here. It's cigar number six or seven today. <laughs> I'm going to move over to the Desert Rose Bellicoso here in a minute because I'm hoping that the boss lady herself might uh, grace us with a presence when she gets back from her uh, her meetings out and about. So uh, I want to be caught with uh, her cigar in my hand if at all possible. Absolutely. That would be wonderful. Um, just to give everybody the details, the specifics on this uh, Jacob's Ladder Brimstone that we are smoking, uh, it's a 6 by 56 Perfecto. The wrapper is Pennsylvania Broadleaf. The binder is grown in the United States. The filler is from Nicaragua, and the factor, factory it was made in was Tabacalera Fernandez, mm-hmm. Mr. A.J. Fernandez, who knows a thing or two or a thousand about tobacco. Uh, and uh, MSRP is eleven ninety nine per cigar, and they come in 20-count boxes. Robert, uh, what? Uh, tell us about the, the Jacob's Ladder specifically, just to get us going here, just to get us a little bit of a, an idea about uh, the Jacob's Ladder. Uh, it came out, if you remind me, two years ago. Uh, and then this uh, this brimstone uh, is is a new addition uh, to the to the line. So give us uh, give us an idea of what the inspiration was behind that cigar. Well, the inspiration in three parts. Uh, you're correct. Uh, IPCPR 2017 was the uh, commercial debut, if you will, when we released the mass production to our retail partners. Um, uh, number one, it's obviously for us, it's a biblical reference to. Uh, uh, Jacob and uh, uh, the reference to Jacob's ladder is really a, a, a dream of a, of a ladder connecting heaven and earth and from which angels kind of ascend and descend. And, you know, if you really think of, if you read the story of Jacob, you understand that he was uh, um, gifted by, by God, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of inheritance, and it was really his struggle in life to uh, be a better man, to be a godly man, and to really um, honor the gifts that he was given. As such, um, our son is Ethan Jacob. And Ethan Jacob, we hope uh, we have something to leave him. We hope he's a good steward of what we leave him. We hope uh, you know part of our legacy is uh, uh, this young man uh, and his endeavors in life. And... Uh, you know, the third part of that really is Jacob's Ladder is, of course, in line with the theme of wild flowering plants. It's a beautiful flowering plant with a bright blue flower, which is where the color on the band comes from. But, um, you know, so it has three meanings uh, uh, in the name alone. But really the blend, the original blend was the Pennsylvania Broadleaf. It was a double Lajero. Um, 
it was really meant to be um, what we say bold but approachable. It was it was added as the four-bodied uh, blend by Southern Draw as a core blend. Um, we say through the fermentation on the broadleaf, it's very aggressive. It creates a little uh, sorghum or molasses type sweetness. It makes it almost approachable to the masses, but it still carries a lot of body and a lot of flavor, a lot of chewy, meaty smoke, if you will. But uh, it didn't really stop there since you asked. Uh, our, our Ethan Jacob is now almost, he's about 6'3", 230 pounds. He's a big, strong, bold young man, but he still has a good, sweet soul, a good heart. Uh, thank God he's uh, 70% like his mother and 30% like his father. But, uh, when we say this blend it encapsulates, it, it captures his true uh, character of who he is and what he is. And I think it was he that shared with me years ago that he thought that that blend was bold but approachable, which is very much like his own character. So um, we, we wanted to, we wanted to uh, you know, celebrate him and what he's done with this company and this family. He's a great influence on me, even as a grown man, to see that this generation uh, can be very mindful, very respectful, and, and very focused on making a difference and doing good. And I think we need more people that can do that, not because he's my son. Um, but uh, going into 2019, you know, we've had a plan now for five years, six years uh, to celebrate this anniversary year. And uh, we have a line extension for most of our core blends, but the Jacob's Ladder Brimstone uh, was meant to be a step up. It was a meant to, uh, to, to be a, uh, to be, to, to wrap up the power. So what you're smoking there is actually a double broadleaf wrapper and the binder. And then it's a triple Lajero. So uh, mm. really wanted to keep with the character, but I think, Having both broadleaf still allows for a little bit of that sweetness, a little bit of that meatiness, but the power is going to build, and it's going to build in three-step process, that first third, the second third, till you get to the main band. But once you get to that, it's balls to the wall. It's a good punch in the lip, and uh, most people that have smoked it, you know, they uh, they think, I, I believe that it uh, is going to deliver what, uh, what we said it would. Uh, again, um, as my son says, you guys use the term. Meat sweats fits right in, but I think it will give you a kick in the rear. Um, so, you know, really we wanted a fuller body, fuller flavored uh, uh, single Vitola to celebrate the anniversary and kind of give a different spin on the blend by tweaking the ratios of the particular tobaccos in the blend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and you mentioned molasses already, and that's one of my, I mean, broadleaf is, is one, of my, uh, one of my favorite wrapper leaves, and especially when it's treated properly. And... When it's treated properly, it really does have that molasses, that sweetness, but but also at the same time, the way you put this blend together and the way that this Vitola especially speaks it out is it there's there's still with that Lajero, there's that that grittiness underneath and that spice underneath, but it really does have a great balance to it. And you know, the uh the, the Toro size in this in, in this blend is is great, but there's something about this new Vitola that that really uh I, I think kind of hit the nail on the head. Well, I thank you. I, uh, I think, you know, the 656 and the, the Perfecto and the Bellicoso are really our, our celebratory sizes that we like to tweak blends on. We like to be consistent with Robusto, Toro, Gordo, <clears throat> Lancero speak for themselves, but we really a lot like to use the Perfecto and the Bellicosos to, to release something a little different, a little special. But, you know, um, I think as you smoke it, I think you'll see that I would say scientifically, it's almost impossible to have that many heavy tobaccos burning in unison the way it is. It's not smoldering. I can almost guarantee I'm not sitting with you, but 
it burns very clean, very clean. Yeah, yeah there's no combustion issues at all. <laughs> right. And I would say to anybody that's watching, uh, when they get their hands on it, always my best advice on the Perfecto or the Bellicoso is just cut it on a little bit of an angle. Yep. Give yourself a little bit of space. I noticed that you guys did that. Yep. Give, you, give you a little more uh, surface area, a little more airflow, and it's going to open up nicely. It's going to produce a lot of nice, meaty, smoky smoke. You know, it's again, I, I liken it to say uh, it's like standing next to your barbecue grill, you know, when, uh, when you got that smoke coming off and you're just salivating, waiting to. <laughs> to uh to enjoy it you know yeah the smoke's got it's got depth to it there's texture it's almost you can almost chew on the smoke you guys just keep talking i'm gonna keep doing this (laughs) so robert uh take us back a little bit um even before the origins of southern draw cigars to you know your your moments you know when you were uh when you were a young man or however old you were the that first time that you experienced a premium cigar you know, tell us about that cigar that that uh, that lit that fire, and and what are some of the um, in addition to that? What are some of the premium brands that you still find yourself reaching for on a regular basis? Well, my my experience goes back to it goes back twenty eight years, and I think to kind of set this up so people understand where I come from is uh, at that point in my life, uh, I was in the in the army at the time. I had never smoked a cigarette, <clears throat> never taken a dip of snuff or a chew. I hadn't had a drink to my name. Um, it was, I, I tried to do everything that was expected of me as a young man. That means I missed out on a lot of fun, I'm sure, in high school. And uh, um, I wasn't antisocial. I just chose not to do it. Uh, but uh, I was handed a La Gloria Cubana Huevel Maduro. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was... Whether we're going to make it out of this alive or not, we're going to have <laughs> And we do make it out and we accomplish the mission. Thumbs up to us, baby. We did something. We're celebrating. So it was a preemptive cigar. And, you know, as I burned that cigar, um, you, you know, you're coming on months and months and months of, a, of an active duty deployment, uh, eating uh, MREs out of little brown, you know, bags and really having no access to music or movies or telephones or outside world, right? You're, you're digging holes, you're uh, fortifying positions, you're, you're looking at a mission. I, I got to tell you, it takes me back to that moment that what I needed most at that moment was something celebratory, something different, something that gave you a little peace of mind and said, listen, take me away from where I'm at and put me in a position where I'm actually enjoying this. And I tell you what, I know it was a strong cigar to start. Uh, but I enjoyed every puff. I enjoyed watching uh, someone that had smoked cigars for a long time, how they cut it, how they lit it, uh, the frequency that they took a puff. You know, it'd be easy to just take it like a, a your first joint and just, <laughs> you know, watch that ash just burn off. But it was a I great don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's something that I made up my mind that day. I said to myself, kind of, again, I talk to myself a lot. Um, Maybe I don't have anybody to talk to most of the time. But I said to myself, <laughs> this is pleasant enough that if I make it out and I survive what I'm doing, I'm going to try to make a point every day to uh, have a cigar. I'm going to try to celebrate that moment and have a cigar and recreate that moment in my life. And I've, for the most part, done that for 28 years. I've been able, not just one, but, you know, unfortunately now it's a lot of homework. So I smoke 10 or 12. But uh, it was that moment that I re- learned to reward myself in something that was enjoyable 
And then, of course, later on, that took me into what the art form and who is behind it and how cigars are made. And that's a whole nother story. But it was just a moment in time to to stop and celebrate and remove yourself from your surroundings and go, this is my time. And I yeah. still believe today. Yeah. Awesome. So the time that you spend in the service and, and as for every uh, everyone who ever served in uniform, thank you for your service yeah, to this country. Um, we... Uh, we, um, you know, the, there's, there's that ritual, you know, it's not just the cigar itself. It's not just the smoke. It's not just the flavor. It's, it's the ritual of the cutting and the lighting that just the whole process puts you, like you said, it puts you in a different place. So if you're in a bad place, it can, that, just that ritual of the cutting, the lighting, and then just experiencing the smoke takes you someplace else and just lets you think about other things for a while. Um, and after, or if I'm remembering this correctly, after you were out of the service, you were in the telecommunications business for a long time. And, um, then when you, when you transitioned to, cause there are a lot of people that we know, we talk to people probably, and you probably talk to people every day who say, I really want to be in the cigar business. And I'm sure in a lot of cases you say to people, be careful what you wish for, but you know, there are, and there have been over the last, you know, many, many decades, so many people who say, I want to get in the cigar business, but you, you actually took that step and talk to us a little bit about what it was like when, when you took that step to move, get yourself into the cigar business and the people that you partnered with and, and the ways that you, um, you know, took that transition of your life from, uh, you know, the business world into the cigar world. It's a long story and a long process, but, you know, we'll try to uh, shorten it down a little bit. But the, the wireless telecom industry was very lucrative. Uh, it was very self-serving. It allows one, especially when you're in the prime, when it just begins, um, mm-hmm. it allowed you to be very um, rewarded uh, monetarily. Um but what I found in my life, that 15 years I was there, and I didn't know it at the time, but I learned it over time about myself, was um, coming from nothing as a child and during my military service when you never made more than $700 a month, you know, to move into, you know, triple digits and stock and nice cars and new homes. And the adage of keeping up with the Joneses became something that um, I participated in, and I'm not proud of it. Uh, but through all of that, um, you know, my wife and I, again, I, we mentioned this before the show that we've been together for 23 years, um, married for 21 years. Um, but she was part of the good times. And when I say the good times, when money flowed like manna from heaven, but what I didn't realize until later in life was all that did was tear us apart. It tore the fabric of our relationship, of our faith, uh, of, uh, our friendships. They took a toll, uh, mm. because need money. I mean, when you have money, you don't really need anybody's input. You don't need to have tolerance. Uh, you can give because you have it, but are you really giving um, from the right place? And all those things came to fruition as I traveled throughout Central and South America, the Caribbean, and started to listen to the godfathers, the kings, the people that enjoyed cigars for the right reasons, the people that grew tobacco or sugar cane or coffee, whatever it may be, that came back to um, family-owned businesses that were very humble, that were very hardworking, 
and at the end of the day, they strive for nothing more than putting a roof over their family's head, food in their stomach, clothes on their bodies, and hopefully an education that would allow their posterity to have a better life than they had. And I, <clears throat> I got to tell you, um, we, uh, we had some unfortunate things happen in 20, 2008, <clears throat> if you will, where in the blink of an eye, everything we ever had monetarily, all the houses, all the cars, all the boats, all the cash, all the stocks disappeared, snap of a finger. And uh, it was because of my decisions, and it was what I risked, but it was the greatest thing that ever happened to us. Mm. But don't think for a moment, because I don't come from the cigar industry, the tobacco industry, I don't come from retail experience or rep experience, um, that I just walked into this. It was something that Sharon sat down with me and said, what's the most important thing? What's, what's the things that you look forward to the most in life? And, you know, I was honest with her uh, about my passion for cigars. But what she said was, I understand that it's an art. I understand that there's a lot of people involved. There's a big process. It's a very simple life. But what if we could take care of people that can't take care of themselves? And uh, in doing that, we are able to do some mission work, do some charity work. She said, you know, all those years you gave and you shared with the family and the friends and you did all that, you gave from a place because you had it. Have you ever given when you didn't have it to give? And I tell you what, those words resonated with me to a point where I said, you know, you're absolutely right. This is the one business that could be humble, that if we're blessed and if we make it, we can make a difference in the world. And, you know, at the same time, we, we know what cigars do for us, but it's a long story short. Look what we have here. Jumping right in. Oh, hey. Welcome. <laughs> the boss lady herself. The Rose of Sharon. Look, I told you, if I uh, put that cigar up there, just, <laughs> maybe, just maybe. It was the fragrance I was, I was attracted to. You were drawn to the fragrance of that cigar. Hi, Sharon. Nice to see you. Here Thanks for having me. Great to see you. Yeah, so I won't interrupt for very long, but I just want to say hi to everybody. Hi. Hi. All right. Bye. Bye. I have to wait for her to leave so I can keep talking about her, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that was a pleasant surprise. That was a great surprise. um, But, you know, it was a very humble beginning for Southern Draw. And we had the concept for the brand. We had the passion. We had worked on some things that were conceptual. But, you know, when we went down to Honduras and Nicaragua and the Dominican Republic, to try to find a partner to say, this is what we want to do. And we know it's difficult. We know we need help. We don't even know if it's worth your time. This is what we'd like to do for the next 15 years. And I really was committed to 15 years. And the reason why I committed to 15 years uh, wasn't arbitrary. It was because I committed 15 years to the wireless industry for myself. I committed to do what I wanted to do to get the rewards that I wanted to afford the luxuries in life that I felt like I deserved, whether it did or not. So I wanted to commit 15 years up front to something for other people because she was right about what she said. So that being said, um, it was Sharon's idea. It was Sharon's idea to launch Southern Draw as a brand to, uh, you know, not not unfortunately for us, we uh, sat down with A.J. Fernandez early on, among other factories and other people. Um, but we, we, we believe that A.J., when he said to me, um, I said, here's my long-term plan, AJ, and this is what I'd like to do, how I'd like to do it and why. He said, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I can tell you this. Um, if you come work with us, 
we expect loyalty. We expect you to be part of the family. We don't want you shopping around, going other places, trying to get a better deal on everything. Let's do it together. We're going to treat you as a priority. We're going to treat you like family. And we're going to do everything we can to help you succeed by executing on your every wish. And uh, I said, wonderful. And I went and dra- had my attorneys draft this beautiful contract. And I swear you can ask AJ, it probably was a ream of paper because <laughs> I just lost everything. Millions and millions of dollars I lost in a bad business dealing in third world developing countries. And I walked in and he, he looked at me and he says, you know, the way I look at it, I'm just a farmer from Cuba. You're just a farmer from Texas. He says, uh, "You, I do everything that you ask and you write me a check. You don't write me a check and I quit doing what you ask. If I don't do what you ask, you don't write me the check. Keep it he simple. Take hands. And I am. it goes against everything in my body to do it because I'm a business guy. I'm an educated guy. I'm an, I'm an engineer by trade. And even through all of that intellect and all of that education, all that experience, I'm still the one that led my family down the gutter by losing everything. So um, God bless us for having the faith and the trust, I think, to move forward. And, you know, God bless AJ and his family for in, embracing us to say we're going to do everything we can. And in fact, they have. Not, we're not without growing pains, but yeah. who we are, what we are today is exactly what we decided to be uh, six years ago. And uh, a lot of media and consumers and retailers have embraced us and allowed us to do what we do. And we don't have a place in this industry, guys. You know that. You get to smoke all these wonderful brands from all these classics, family-owned, all this generation, this this pedigree, this heritage. But all that's been done. All of that is theirs. We're not trying to do what they what they've done for their families. What we're trying to do is something for our own family, which is do the best we can with what we have, and in in doing so support the charities that we committed to so they can count on us for the little bit of help that we're able to offer them. And, you know, uh, we're okay being simple. We're okay not having the the toys anymore. We're okay just getting by because for us, um, that's what this was about. This was about doing something for other people. And I'm not trying to be cliche when I say this, it's just, it was a hard time. And uh, this was the tool for us to climb out, start over. Yeah. Um, So tell us about, the first, you know, when, when the brand launched, what was the first blend to carry the Southern draw name and how did that, what did that launch look like for you? Well, I'll start by saying that, um, I had a few blends that I had been playing with and that I felt comfortable with. And my goal here was to really start in the medium to medium to full range if we were going to launch something, because that was my palette, that's what I enjoyed most, medium, medium to full. And very classic Nicaraguan, not the peppery Dominican powerhouses, but I wanted to, to smoke something that I felt like people that smoke mild to medium would step up to one, and people that smoke medium, medium full or full would step down to the medium. Uh, but most importantly, I was sitting out on my patio at the time with the samples from the factory. I just came back from Nicaragua, no bands, and I was smoking a cigar. And just like what happened a moment ago, Sharon came outside, and for the first time in 17 years, she didn't avoid my smoke. She didn't complain <laughs> about the smoke. Uh, she walked into the smoke enough where she put her hands and wafted the smoke, and she said, that, that is incredible. She says, my eyes, my nose, my throat, they're not burning. They're not irritated. She said, whose cigar is that? I said, well, not ironically, it could be yours. 
<laughs> you mean? I said, that's one of the test blends that we've been working on that I would like to, to start. And she goes, whatever that is, we can sell it. And that was the Firethorn. Uh, so we mm. actually launched Firethorn and the Kudzu Escuro at the same time. We launched the company on those two blends, the Habano Rosado over San Andreas, a nice, clean medium, almost a classic Cubanesque style, I think. Uh, and the kudzu escuro with that little bit of Connecticut broadleaf and that Oma Pepe binder. And uh, to me, they were the most expensive tobaccos I'd ever heard about. But they had so much aromatic, so much flavor. And our goal was to offer strength, flavor, and aroma. So we launched Southern Draw on the premise of we would only make Robusto, Toro, Gordo, Firethorn, and Kudzu. And in our mind, that would all be all we ever made. But then, uh, but then you got itchy, and uh, more came after that. Well, I don't know that we got itchy. My little green book, and it's actually a big green book, but it had all these conceptual blends that we had been smoking and trying, and um, we were mindful right out of the gate about price point. So we quickly followed that later in uh, 2014 uh, with, uh, with the quick draw line, and it was really meant to be classic thin cigars, uh, in the Connecticut, the, the Ecuadorian Dark Habano, and again, another different broadleaf varietal. Uh, but it was meant to be in the 5 to $6 range. It was uh, 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 petite Coronas and short Panatellas, and of course, a plan for the Corona Gordo. But it was really meant to be, um, when you only have a little bit of time, you want to smoke a good cigar for a good price point, and you don't want to have to put it down. It's something I had ran into for all these years, and I didn't think there was enough on the market in the price point uh, so quick draw, you know, joined the party, uh, you know, not too, not too long after the original launch. Um, but I can tell you this, that every blend we have and every blend that's to come was all planned before we ever launched the brand. Um, not only that, the names, the people that we wanted to honor or for me, um, you know, you're talking 20, 30, 40 blends that I had a plan that I said, Lord, if you allow us to stick around and do this, we're at some point, we're going to bring this out and we're going to bring them out in these sizes and we're going to bring them out in this type of packaging. But we really spent an engineer's mind on giant spreadsheets to say, this is what we're going to do if we made it. So there would be no hypothetical here. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, following those, those releases, obviously, as we got into 2017, we had two and a half years on the market. We were growing well, given the, the limitation on the blends and the sizes, but uh, we knew at some point uh, this Rosa Sharon was going to come to market. I don't think she ever knew about it, but I knew, and I was waiting for the right time. 2016, because of the FDA deeming regs, it, it was scheduled for release. It wasn't the right time because a lot of retailers were running for cover. We don't know if that brand is going to make it. A lot of brands ran for cover. They didn't know if they were going to make it, but we knew we were committed to try to follow the rules, the regulations, the guidelines as we as we interpreted them. Um, so we held on for a year before the Rose of Sharon. So what happened in 2017 is the 2017 release was the Jacob's Ladder. It got released at the same time as the 2016 release, which was the Rose of Sharon. So we went on opposite ends of the spectrum from the Firethorn and Kudzu in the middle. We had the Rosa Sharon on the left, the Jacob's Ladder on the right, and we were able to bring those to market at the same time, and they have absolutely um, performed better than we could have ever imagined. Awesome. Hey, and uh, just a reminder, if uh, you're just joining the show or you came halfway in, uh, Matt and I are honored to have Robert Holt from Southern Draw Cigars in. 
Matt and I are enjoying a uh, Jacob's Ladder brimstone, and it is every bit what you have uh, told us it was going to be that first third. <sighs> Brother, it is so good. Yep. It has all the flavor. Um, I'm just starting to get the, the strength of it. And my body is saying, dude, you better slow down a little bit. But I I can't. <laughs> yeah, the uh it the the transitions are um are noticeable with yeah. this one. You can tell the you know the experienced rollers at that factory, you know, they place those leaves in the filler just just right so that the you know the transition hits just before you get to that first band and uh you know that that uh it starts to ramp up. You can you can start yep. to feel it in your soul. And I, it's uh it's it's really it's really good. If uh, if you guys have any questions or comments uh, for Robert, please feel free to to share them. As uh, we continue, we'll roll through our uh, questions that we've got lined up. Um, but remember to like and share the video. Yeah, and leave comments, leave questions too, because we don't just wanted to have our questions from our list here. Um, Robert, you talked a little bit about you know how uh, how you first uh, built a relationship with AJ Fernandez. And tell us a little bit about what the process looked like for you when you started. You got to know him, and then what did it look like for you as far as um, going there and um, choosing test blends and and talking to him about what sort of cigars you were looking for? What what did that look like when when you and he sat down together? Well, on my side of the table, it looked like I went in for a test and I was unprepared because I didn't stay up all night and cram for it the night before. So. Uh, you know, I had a lot of affinity for AJ for what he did with the San Latano brand as a cigar smoker. Mm. For the price point, it was the reason why I walked in the door. There were a lot of options in the world at that point, of course, and AJ wasn't one of the largest names on the list, right? Um, but um, the 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 core blends that we were bringing to the market had already been determined for the most part, and it was access to certain tobaccos that took me to AJ to begin with. It was um, in our original samples of the Firethorn and Kudzu that we were going to produce, we felt like there was some inconsistencies in the blends, inconsistency in the production. <clears throat> and I went to AJ really for advice. Um, if he remembers it, sitting down at a table and putting my original test samples, putting my production samples on the table and going, tell me what the difference is here, because I, for one, know they're not right. They're not the same. And I'm very meticulous and my palate is actually pretty sharp uh, for somebody that doesn't come from this side of the business. And and he basically told me that they're the same exact blend, but he gave me a little bit of a tutorial about the source of the tobaccos, the fermentation process, where it originated for my original test blends, which some of those tobaccos, in fact, did come from A.J. Fernandez, and some that uh, were sourced elsewhere uh, for the production. And it taught me a lesson about uh, the old switcheroo, right? Uh, if you're going to make 5,000 or 50,000 cigars, great, but you better have the raw materials if you plan on making a million. And you better be willing to make the investment and make sure that you've secured that if you're going to really build that. Uh, so that was the eye-opening. The aha moment for me was um, I wouldn't look and be on the first fifty to 100,000 because I wasn't sure what the future held. And his opinion was, why would you ever make 5,000 if you weren't going to make 5 million? And I took that to heart. Uh, so a lot of it was 
spending time in the factory, understanding their process, the capacity for each of the rolling pairs, the sorting room, the fermentation, what about our particular tobaccos will be different. The only thing we can do is do things a little bit different than everybody else, right? We all have access to a lot of different tobaccos, but we knew we wanted to be aggressive with uh, uh, very high quality tobacco with heavy fermentation. And I'm not going to say we're one up in everybody, but we wanted the best we could get uh, for the money we were willing to spend, the price point that we were trying to reach. And I'll tell you that I can go all the way back to what AJ said to me uh, back then, and it's not to disparage anyone. He said, everybody comes to me and says, make me the best cigar you can for the cheapest price. <laughs> you came in, you said, here's my blends. This is what I'm willing to spend. This is what the wrapper costs, the binder filler combination, the labor. And it was a very expensive, uh, given the market prices for cigars, it was a very expensive undertaking. But I didn't try to shortchange him. I tried to be honest with him. And in fact, he returned that as a compliment saying, you guys are coming in with a different strategy. You're coming in being fair and favorable. And for us, if, if we invest in this now, just reiterate the point that I want to be in business with you in perpetuity. I don't want you just using me now to build a name for yourself. And then you're going to go somewhere that does it cheaper, better, faster, or different. Mm -hmm. I want you part of this. And uh, that, that was really a six to 12 month process of us filling him out. We'd just come out of getting you know, destroyed in another business and obviously for him to fill out or whether we we're going to be those guys, that family that would make the first run of cigars, put them in a couple of shops, sit back with our friends and smoke them. Right. That was never our plan. We have not in five, almost six years stopped. We travel every day. We support the brand. We give recognition to all of our partners, whether it's AJ, our cigar rings, our box factory, our distributors. You know, at the end of the day, we want to make sure everybody gets accolades and we want them to take as much ownership of what they do for us as, if, as they want to. We don't want to use their name. We don't want to manipulate it so that we get a benefit. But we want people to realize that without them, um, Southern Draw doesn't exist. So it was just a long process. And each year, we would assess what our production forecast, our plans, our goals were. And obviously, he's got advice. And uh, obviously, we want to differentiate, differentiate what we're doing from what he's doing for anybody. And I think we've done a pretty sound job of doing that. And it was a it was a good decision on both parties, I think, to keep it separate and apart where our brand and our blends and our in our in our uh, uh, process was uniquely different to us, because I think it's really what set it apart and allowed us to grow. So it was just it, it, trust takes time, mm -hmm. but the education continues every day and the yeah. education with what he does with his growth of his factories and farms, the education with his blending, the education of what he does for other people and himself. And ultimately, our challenge is to continue to have our own endeavor and our own brand and our own unique uh, profiles of touch and feel, um, but still harness the the capacities and the and the and the and the defined process that AJ's brought to this market. Yeah, uh, we could have a lot of places, absolutely. But I can't. I can tell you almost certainly we wouldn't have probably made it. Um, it was something about working together to get to where we're at that I don't know that other people would have gave us that chance. I'm not saying they wouldn't, but I, in my heart of hearts, I don't know that that would be true. There's too many lucrative deals out there. There's too much money. There's too many brands that have a lot of money. And he knew we had little and that we would have to grow on cash flow. And I tell you what, that's a leap of faith. And I'll, I'll commend him and his family on that for taking a leap of faith with a little brand that uh, really had, had nothing to start with. Yeah. Um, so, kind of going along that same line, you know, the, you know, coming from the business world, 
before, you know, the corporate world that business pretty much across the board is, is all about relationships. And, but from what I've learned, the cigar business is even more so the, the, the just the whole culture of cigars is so relationship driven. What, what would you say has been the biggest challenge as a smaller, newer cigar brand, you know, from first generation cigar producers? Um, what has been the biggest challenge for you um, and Sharon and your whole team as, as it comes to just turning your brand into what it has become and what it's going to continue to grow into? Well, first and foremost is we're only able to grow based on cash flow, right? So uh, you have to be incredibly diligent in your production forecasting, sales forecasting models, and then you've got to be willing to go out and beat the bushes and make sure those numbers are hit every quarter or you're going to put a cog in the wheel for sure. That's number one. Number two, this FDA situation, the perception or reality of it is something you're always looking over your shoulder and you're spending time and money and you're trying to be in compliance, whether it's warning labels or, you know, package design or ensuring that all of our blends have been registered and we followed every, uh, you know, dotted every I, crossed every T. So that's been a challenge. Uh, But I think the most important is, you know, we made a decision early on that for our first five years, uh, our marketing and advertising, which are critical components in this industry historically, would be composed of putting cigars in people's hands. We knew we wouldn't be able to make a quantifiable uh, donation in the terms of advertising and sponsorship. So what we decided was let's put cigars in people's hands. Let's spend as much time with them as we can if they give us the time. And let's try to define who we are and what we do. But we also, in doing that, wanted to make sure that the the critical dependencies of this brand, which include media, retail, retail uh, uh, partners and consumers, all became part of the mission. And the mission was, let's do some good together, whether whether it's in Nicaragua or the U.S. or our military service members and men and women. Um, We wanted to be different. And I think our challenge was getting that message across without putting it in big print media. And, you know, we've relied on, you know, things like we're doing tonight, podcasts and print media and, and some of the things that people have graced us with. And we always wanted to get into a position where we can start uh, 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 providing reciprocity for all that support and love over the last five years. So our challenge was, how do you market and advertise? How do you get taken serious when all you can do is put cigars in people's hands? And uh, you know what? The media stepped up, the retailer stepped up, consumers stepped up, and everybody um, embraced the brand as a whole and helped us out. Yeah. Um, I want you to talk a little bit, if you would, about um, Cigars for Warriors. Um, tell us about how you built a relationship with uh, the team over there at Cigars for Warriors and um, what it means to you to play a part in what they're doing. Well, first first and foremost, um, in 2014, 2015, Southern Draw um, executed a contract with the Army Air Force Exchange Services, a.k.a. AFES, for anybody that's ever served. Um, that control basically all the retail space at all military government facilities. And we did that because um, we wanted to put good quality product that's properly cared for at a fair price in the hands, at least to introduce uh, our, our servicemen and women, contractors, family members, employees, those folks. And uh, that's something that was near and dear to us. 
what we found is people that were in the rear, that were on a base or in a facility had access to our cigars and that was great, but multitudes of messages coming across our social media saying, I'm deployed X, Y, or Z, and I don't have cigars. Uh, so it was brought to our attention that Cigars for your single, singular focus was putting cigars in the hands of our deployed service men and women, right? Uh, so for us, when they approached us, uh, what we wanted to do is participate within our own abilities, but we also wanted to make sure that whatever we did for Cigars for Warriors did not entail waiting till the end of the year, seeing what we had the most of in the warehouse and dumping it in a plastic bag. We wanted, and again, I'm, I'm going to give Sharon credit, it's about the first fruits. We wanted to give our first and best to the charities, just like we would sell to a customer. Uh, so we engaged them early on and uh, obviously participated in, in many of their events and and uh, were able to be a pretty solid donor. I think uh, I think two out of the last four years, they've graced us with the uh, Manufacturer of the Year Award. So that's pretty good. It just, you know, we, we take that and say thank you, but that's not why we did it. But we took it to another level last year with our Ignite program. And the Ignite program last year, we ended up uh, releasing several new releases, never before to, to have been in the hands of retailers or consumers. And we use that to generate awareness for Cigars Warriors. But what we did is we partnered with retailers and consumers together where all of us basically built into the price were able to donate uh, quantifiable monies back to the charity. And uh, and many of the cigars that were bought last year under the Ignite were actually just donated back to the charity in those Huma jars that we did. And uh, so we were able to generate money, awareness, and as well, we were able to get quite a few donations doing the events throughout the year. So just a, an important aspect to get cigars for the same reason I mentioned to you gentlemen when we started this show, which was that moment that I had my cigar and it gave me that little bit of uh, quality of life, that little bit of uh, uh, chance to kind of get away from my sur surroundings and environment and celebrate uh, being alive at that moment. So I think it's 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 it, I think it's been said to, to use this correlation. You know, seven percent of men, two percent of women in the United States, somewhere around that, smoke cigars. But if you're a fisherman or a golfer, it moves up to 35, 40 percent. So if you take deployed military men and women that and only two or three percent of them smoke cigars. If you donate to Cigars Warriors and they they send cigars to those uh, deployed units, I bet you're going to see 30 or 40 percent of them reach into that jar or that bag and pull a cigar out and go enjoy their brothers and sisters. And that's to us what it's all about. All I got to see is the pictures and the videos, the end result, which mm -hmm. is those people, whether they're sitting on a, a, you know, a sand dune in Iraq or the top of a mountain in Humvee in Afghanistan, uh, the bottom line is all I have to do is see that as evidence to say we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And uh, real quick, a few comments from um, a few viewers. Uh, Michael Hill said, love the business model of Southern Draw. I see it as gratitude over attitude. What does that mean to you when you hear things like that? Um, what it means is uh, uh, you got to walk the walk. We laid out our mission statement early. If anybody goes to southerndrawcigars.com, they'll see uh, we're very clear in our mission and our charity as a priority number one. And to, right there on the title of the screen, you see Chief Evangelist. People all ask me all the time, why is that there? It's because it's got to be faith, then family, then the cigar industry, the cigar business, right? It's a matter of priority. So when people recognize that, some, some you hear negative connotations. Uh, but sometimes you get uh, a, a favorable and admirable response and 
and feedback. Listen, we're going to do the best we can with what we have, and hopefully we're going to help some people along the way. And uh, the people that realize that, we certainly appreciate it because they could choose a lot of other cigars and brands to support. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of brands want to sell cigars, and we need to sell cigars. We appreciate people paying attention to what we're doing for. Yeah, so, and and uh, I mean, going back to cigars for warriors, it's it's uh, the when I first learned about the organization, I I was I was on board right away and um, gave some donations myself, and then um, us being here in Minnesota, um, we have a local uh, cigar group on Facebook. Um, th where we also get together on a regular basis and uh, enjoy each other's company. And uh, we have multiple times uh, gotten together and thrown the word out and said, Hey, let's get, let's get a bunch of cigars together and send them over to cigars for warriors. And and I don't remember what the number was last time, but it was, it was, it was just an, a, a, an incredible thing to see a bunch of just local Minnesota cigar smokers come together and uh, grab some of their favorite cigars out of their stash and put them together so that we could all, uh, you know, send some over to the, the men and women who are deployed. Because like you said, if they can have that moment, mm. just that, that, uh, that hour where they're not thinking about, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the danger that they're in, they're not thinking about, um, any of that. They're just, they're, in, they're enjoying their brothers and sisters next to them and enjoying that time and, uh, just enjoying the smoke. And it's uh, it's an organization that I hope everybody, um, you know, takes some time to learn more about Cigars for Warriors. And if you're able, um, give what you can, because, uh, they, you know, they need more than just cigars. They also need because they got to they got to put them in the air somehow. They got to spend money to get them in the air and shipped over there. So, uh, you know, if, just spend some time, get to know some more about Cigars for Warriors for all the people watching and listening. Mm -hmm. Get, a, you know, get yourself acquainted with Cigars for Warriors and. See if there's a way that uh, um, that you can help them out too. Yeah, and for those in the Twin Cities, um, I know that Stogie's on Grand is a drop-off spot where uh, they, you know, they have a, a box up front where you can donate your cigars, and they are collected on a regular basis uh, to go and be shipped over there. And I'm sure if you know of other brick and mortars that you know do the same thing, please leave them in the comments and uh, let us know. Uh, Tom Folk said the best advertising you can ever do is have people smoke them. And, um, I, you know, I, I know that's true because when I have a great cigar, I'm not quiet about it. You know, I let people know, Hey, I just had this cigar. You know, I either put it on social media or I talk to people at the shops or I talk if the shop owner doesn't have it. Like you got to get this cigar. And, um, you know, what do you hear about that, Robert? Um, well, first of all, I appreciate Tom. He's been a, a good supporter of Southern Draw uh, since our beginning. So thank you, sir. Um, you know, and I'm going to answer, but I'm going to answer the second part of Matt's earlier question about other brands as well. Um, but, uh, you know, let's move away from the experience in the field of deployed military and just talk about it in our own backyard. I tell you what, um, when times are tough and they're at the hardest, whether you could smoke a cigar by yourself or with a friend or a perfect stranger, um, it, it can change your mood. It can change mm. your patient immediately. And when times are great and your team came from a five to nothing uh, deficit and came back and win the ball game against the Braves, you win the Super Bowl, 
you know, your first grandchild was, was born, when times are great, you can sit down and have a cigar by yourself or share it with somebody. I think the most important thing in the world is, is people of like mind and passion sharing with one another. That's how we learn. And uh, sometimes that crosses brands and it crosses industries, but particularly for the cigar industry, um, everybody's got a radio. Everybody's got XM and Spotify and satellite and AM and FM. And the bottom line is we're always going to music to feel better uh, or to, to uh, think back at some point in time in our life, you know, whether it was good or bad, but cigars do the same thing. And I tell you what, cigars should be as popular as, as your favorite music because I tell you what, there's not an art form more uh, more um, defined as an art than cigar making, right? I mean, could you imagine two to three hundred people contingent upon one another, critically dependent upon one another? It doesn't that make that take that many people to uh, to, to to press some vinyl, right? Mm-hmm. Take that cigar you're smoking. I tell you what, those people have names, they have families, they have jobs. So when you look at all the credits on an album and you know that it was, uh, you know, you know the artist, but do you really know who the producer was? Do you know who the grips were? Do you know who all these other people are? What our goal in this business is, let's make sure we share it through our ministry. Let's make sure we know who those people are and what they do. And when you smoke that cigar, those are the people you're supporting to. So I tell you what, you get a chance to share that in conversation that you wouldn't get to do it uh, any other time because uh, um, you're open-minded at that point. You want to learn. Now that takes me to the next step, which is uh, other brands, what we talked about. Um, it's an easy, easy question for me to answer. Um, obviously, I'm going to always support AJ Fernandez as our partner, but the men and women that I see on the road, that I see supporting their brands, growing their brands, uh, that, again, you, in my mind, do the best they can with what they have access to, and they sell it for the fairest price they can, uh, have impressed me greatly with their ethic and uh, at the end, their products, right? So uh, beyond A.J. Fernandez, obviously, I'm going to tell you one of the simplest, gr- most gracious people I know in the industry that's just a cool cat uh, is Jim Robinson, Leaf by Oscar. I tell you what, yeah. a humble sh- coffee shop, cigar shop owner from Pittsburgh that uh, has his cigars in almost every shop that is has a door open. And I tell you what, he's helped, uh, whether, again, it was directly or indirectly. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, our, our good friend Nick Malilo. Obviously, he makes quite a few cigars with AJ, but he has other factories, too. Uh, someone that comes from the business, that has a heritage, has a culture in the, in the Connecticut tobacco industry, uh, has a long lineage with other brands, but he's doing the best he can with what he has, and he's making waves. Um you, everybody knows, I asked you earlier if you're smoking the brulee, the bottom line is Steve Saka. He's an encyclopedia mm-hmm. of knowledge. Uh, he's uh, uh, someone that if you're around, you probably listen more than you talk because you're. he's going to tell you and he's going to try to educate you. It's his mission to educate people. Uh, but uh, I see him out working hard, hitting shops, uh, spending time with customers and retailers. Uh, Roma Craft, I mention all the time, not because they're close here in Austin and in Nicaragua, but... Uh, to me, they're the most efficient-run factory in the industry, uh, down to every fraction of every cent. Their prices are extremely fair. Their their customers are as loyal as anything I've ever seen. I wish we had that. And I'm not saying we don't have loyalty, but I'm saying they have loyalty beyond. There should be a different definition in the encyclopedia for the people that follow and support that brand. Um, but, uh, you know, these brands that are growing, uh, 
if the industry only grows three or four percent a year and some of these brands are growing 100 to 150 percent a year um, something's being done right and the brands that i just named are not the ones putting the biggest ads in every magazine and four full pages and they could they have the coins to do it but they chose a similar path which is let's spend time with our customers let's explain the difference between what we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it and let's share a cigar so I've learned a lot from those brands, and I'm not discounting anybody else. Obviously, Eric Espinosa was the first major brand owner to open the doors to Sharon and I at his own event with uh, your, our friends over at Cigar Dojo many years ago at uh, the early trade show when we were just a, a, a blip on the radar. And he said, listen, everybody knows us. They know our brands. Please share a little bit about Southern Draw, what you're doing and how you're doing it, why you're doing it. Let's smoke some of your cigars. Let's see if they're any good. And all those people I just named have always been honest. Yeah. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this right. At the end of the day, you're going to have your challenges. Eric used to say, you'll never make a dollar in this industry, no matter what. So we hope you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, that is blunt. That is, uh, that is honest. Mm -hmm. And uh, hey, what we appreciate honesty. So, you know, and there's other brands too, you know, of course, but uh, those are the ones we see the most and spend the most time with that have had the most impact on us. And, uh, uh, we hope that over the years, our paths have crossed with other brands and brand owners, and we'll learn from them, and we'll be able to put their name up on the screen and talk about them too. Yeah. Um, well, I want to. I've got a little bit of a lightning round, but I actually want to save that for um, uh, for after this next segment. We're going to move into. I share a little bit of a useless fact every week, um, and it's just because. You know, I, I tend to know things that are kind of unimportant. And my wife always says to me, why do you know that? Nobody should ever know that information. It's completely useless. But um, I try to draw upon kind of what what, uh, you know, what we're talking about that week. And since since we've got you on and it's Southern Draw Cigars, I looked up. I just started digging into the word draw and pulled up everything I could about that word. And one of the things that struck me was um, drawing is actually there's there's a manufacturing process called drawing which actually is is for forming forming steel or metal products where you draw it through a die and drawing it through that die with tremendous amounts of pressure creates heat and reforms that metal into something different than what it was before and due to the extreme force involved the process can generate such a massive amount of heat that it cha it actually changes the molecular structure of that metal and it's it's the and I wrote down this this uh, this thought that I had. Sometimes we have to get pushed through situations that will stretch and refine us, and there's always an extreme heat involved. And um, you know that's uh, it's a useless fact, but at the same time, it's it's sort of a you know a good thing to think about from time to time that we go through those 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 rough times. We go through those uh, those those days where we think, uh, why am I doing this? And uh, at, at the end of it all, we realize it's it's those moments where we're in the heat that uh, kind of turn us into who we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I like it. Um, and uh, one of my favorite segments every week that we do um, is called Numero de los Muertos, where Garrett takes us through uh, interesting stats about uh, different ways we can uh, leave this earth. So, Garrett, what do you have for us this week? What's the number? Well, I've got two numbers. Oh, two numbers. Okay. Yep. First number is 12 annually. 12 annually. And the second number is 11,400 an hour. An hour? 
So, and 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 they correlate. They, they correlate. They correlate. So the twelve annually, um, that species. Um, so we have we have two species here that we're talking about. We're not just talking about people. We're all I'm going to say at this point is species aliens. So 12, 12 <laughs> species a year die oh. from this. And um, that species is then um, that species dies at a rate of 11,400 an hour. Man, you got you went deep in the weeds this week. Oh, um, I did. 12 species so is it is it is it like a species going extinct? Nope. No. Nope. The these two species are here to stay for sure. Um the the first so the 12 species or the 12 that 12 number yeah is responsible um no I'm sorry it's the other way so <clears throat> 12 of these things <laughs> dies every year the, the Jacob ladder's getting to you and, oh, dude I <laughs> I've got the I've got the meat sweats I am sorry and then um so of so the species that's died has then killed 11,400 an hour sounds like a black hole or something 11,400 an hour yep. is it is it humans that it kills it can't be 11,400 an no. hour mm -mm. Species that has died is killed. So I'll, I'll give you, it, it's 12 people a year die from, from this species. And then we kill 11,400 of that species. Is it, is it some kind of microbe? No. It's not like bacteria or something? No. And in fact, this number shocked me. So right. 12 people a year die. Hit us with a hint. Um, it happens in the water. In the water. Jellyfish? Jellyfish? Mm -mm. Nope, not mosquito, Tom. <laughs> um, not rattlesnake. Yes, sharks. it is sharks. The boss lady, Sharon. I'm eavesdropping. Sorry. No, no it's I all love it. it's all good. It's great. Um, so James said sharks in the comments, but Sharon, I think you hit it before he did. So we'll give you the prize for that one. Oh no, that's okay. So, <laughs> so, so tell us about the so so sharks. Twelve sharks die every. No, no, no. Twelve people die from sharks. Twelve people die from shark attacks every year. Every year. But humans are killing sharks at a rate of 11,400 an hour. Are you serious? Yeah. And the reason is uh, a lot of it has to do with Southeast Asia. And Oh, is that the shark fin? Yep. So some of it is shark fin soup. I know that was a big kind of buzzword a few, um, a few years ago uh, that was really, um, you know, kind of a big deal. But um, 
outside of that, there's actually a lot of shark farms where they farm for sharks for oh, okay. uh, different foods and stuff. Okay. Hey, is it Shark Week? It was last week. It was. Okay. Well, so that's, that, that was works. my. I dig it. So there you go, folks. There's your uh, numero de los muertos about sharks. Mosquito, mosquito sharks. Tom, mosquito sharks. Tom says definitely, mosquito sharks. Definitely mosquito sharks. That'll, that'll be the new. Uh, that'll be the new horrifying Sharknado. It'll be Sharknado, but with mosquito sharks. Mosquito sharks. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's a good one. Um, so let's. Uh, um, I want to go back um, kind of to a little bit of a lightning round uh, for Robert and Sharon. Uh, you guys both please chime in if you uh, if you have something on these questions. So this is about if if you were able to give advice, um, if if there was one piece of advice that you could give to cigar consumers, what would it be? Is that a question for us? Yes. Oh, go ahead, Mom. Oh, I'm thinking. Oh, she she's thinking. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, here's my advice. And I'm not going to use it because it's a dojo motto, but they always say never smoke alone. But the reality of it is, if you want to learn about anything, if you want to learn about life, if you want to learn about health, if you want to learn about death, if you want to learn about plumbing and ditch digging or cigar making, sit down and have a cigar with somebody because you're going to learn something. Um, it's the it's the one tool that we have that makes you sit down and relax. And when you're side by side, face to face, it gives you that time, gives you that moment, mm. you know, phone down. But sit down and have a conversation because uh, ask. There's no stupid questions. You know, it, it's the one time where we're all equal to use the old Steve Harvey you know, comment, we're all equal that moment we're smoking the cigar, but we can mm. all learn from each other. So that's my advice. Just really spend time talking to one another. Um, it's not about brand loyalty. It's about that moment in time that you have a, you have to take advantage uh, of, uh, of uh, the person across from you. Go ahead, Sharon. Um, I'm going to go with, with a little bit of a uh, what I heard about Jim Robinson's philosophy and that consumers in the cigar industry, if you guys can do one thing, you know, seek out cigar-friendly places. Go to restaurants that allow you to have a cigar on the patio. You know, make your money speak for this industry because that's how things get changed. And, you know, I think Southern Draw has uh, been blessed to have a grassroots response in our customer base, and we're so grateful in that way. And I think that as a consumer of cigars and and a manufacturer and a brand owner, um, I really like that philosophy, and I give him full credit for that. Um, it really made me think about, you know, where I go to smoke a cigar outside of the comfort of my home, and, and that's what I'm going to do. So I hope everybody else will, will try to do that as well, because as everyone knows, as a, you know, consumer and in a capitalist market, you know, your money talks, and the FDA will listen, um, you know, shops will listen, restaurants will listen, and, and we do need to be heard. This is a beautiful um, you know, uh, timeless industry. Um, so we got to fight for it. So that's my two cents. No, I like that. I, I think that's great. It, and it, it, it actually makes, you know, it's one of those sort of, uh, you know, moments where I go, well, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I never really thought about it that way, but you, you kind of have to vote with 
your feet and your wallet and give your business to places that are, are uh, also maybe not necessarily directly supportive of cigar culture, but they're not averse to it. So I like that. Um, So the same question, uh, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to cigar retailers, what would it be? I think it's like any other relationship. Um, Whether it's a big brand, a small brand, whether it's a legacy brand or a brand that's, you know, came to IPCPR this year for the first time. um, We know you're busy. We know, you know, your business, you know, your industry, but give it a chance, give it a shot, sit down and have a cigar and, and discuss the brand and the strategy and smoke the cigar, see if there's anything there in it for you. Because I think it's really tough for small brands to get a, a lot of traction until other shops have brought it in. But um, I think opportunities have been missed and uh, you know, we're in year six and we've had great growth, but we're just now seeing some of the, some of the retailers that we would have loved to do business with uh, uh, give us a shot. And uh, I think if they get sit down and get to know us, um, they'll make a wise decision for themselves. That doesn't mean it's always going to be right for them uh, or for their market or for their consumers. But if they give us the, the, the respect of, uh, of a few minutes of their time, we would appreciate it because it'll help a lot of brands. And I, I think what they'll find is, They'll find something good from a lot of the brands that I've mentioned today that may or not may or may not be available on every shelf. Right? Um, we're spending time with customers, but we don't ask our customers to go into retailers that don't sell our cigars and ask for it. We're not going to do it. But just you know, my advice is just give us a few minutes of your time. We know you're busy, but it might be worth your time in the end. At least we'll have our answer. Uh, but we don't want you to feel slighted. You know, we don't want you to feel like we drove through your town and didn't stop because you didn't take an appointment with us because we don't just walk in off the street and say, here's a clipboard. Here's our catalog. Please order. That's not what we want to do. We just want to sit down and have a conversation, tell you what we're about and share a cigar. But if you would give us that, all retailers should give anybody that's investing the time and money that these brands are investing, not just Southern draw uh, just a few minutes of their time. It would, uh, it would uh, be appreciated, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to that, I would say transparency is always important if there's ever a concern or some folklore or a question that you you know as a retailer that you might have always feel free to reach out to myself or robert and we're glad to talk to you even if it means that you know it's something uncomfortable we we want to change that in you know we we don't want that for our culture for our brand we we want full disclosure full transparency and i think uh you'll find that once people talk to us, you'll, you'll see, we, we speak plainly and we speak, um, matter of fact, and, and we just, we hope that for them too. So, and yeah, no, that's great. Um, and last one is, um, there's been a lot of moving and shaking going on, uh, since just before the trade show. And, you know, even now it's sort of continuing with, uh, you know, a little bit of uncertainty about, uh, the future of the, the organization, if you had one piece of advice for the PCA, formerly known as the IPCPR, what would it be? Um, I don't think I would have one piece. I'd have quite a, <laughs> quite a, quite a list. Uh, my, my, my single piece of advice observation is this. If and when the decision to execute the cigar con, the consumer side of it is, Please, please, please 
make sure that it follows the end of the trade show because we spend a lot of time and money preparing our booth, our displays. We release our new cigars at the trade show. We unveil them so that the media and that our retail partners can be the first to see it, the first experience, to have the first time to share it with us. And if we're trying to cater to consumers before that, we've lost the whole luster and the reason for being there. It's not clean. It's not presentable. Uh, and at the end of the show, obviously we'd have more busted boxes and bundles and samples and things to, to facilitate that. But please, please, please make the media and our retail partners that, that travel to that destination the priority and do nothing until all of the sales and all of the media and all the interviews have been concluded. And then whatever's left at the end of the show, the end of the, the, uh, the week, use that how you see fit and we'll support it the best we can. But don't ask us to do it before our media and our retail partners see and, 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 and uh, enjoy what we're bringing to the show. Yeah. Based on what I've seen so far from, from a lot of other people who've been discussing this, I would say amen a hundred percent to that. Um, Sharon, what are your thoughts? Um, I, you know, I can't speak too much in depth on that. I, I, I do follow, but I, um, I think what Robert is saying is, is absolutely true. It's, it's about focus and about attention and giving them the time that they deserve to do what they need to do. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's a very valid point And I, I agree. And then a uh, very serious question for me is what are you guys Netflixing right now? Yeah. Are you binge watching anything on uh, Netflix or Amazon or anything like that? I can say quickly, I am absolutely not. I am uh, working on production forecasts and boxes and labels and all that. Uh, my, uh, my free time is almost nil. Uh, but uh, Sharon or Yonda, any new series or anything like that? No, but there's a, no, I, I can't uh, say that. But I, I do know that, and this may get laughs just in itself for me saying it, but if I'm having a bad day, I watch Jim Gaffigan. King Bay. There you go. Stand up. And I could be having, like I said, I could be having the worst day, and I watch that, and I'm cracking up. And yeah. My day. But no, I, I'm a little scared to start series on Netflix because, you never know what you're going to get. It's yeah. kind of yikes. But what about y'all? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat where I haven't had time to watch anything lately. But I, I agree on Jim Gaffigan 100%. I was actually fortunate enough to take my oldest son to uh, – he and I together went to see uh, see Jim Gaffigan when he was live at the State Theater here in Minneapolis just uh, mm. just a couple of years ago. Um, and – I mean, he's, he's great to see on TV, but he was, he was so awesome to be there with my son and see him. Um, I mean, we, we laughed our butts off and it was great. My, my wife and I um, get into a series and uh, watch it. We've watched a few and right now we are on uh, Longmire, which is a fantastic series. I highly recommend it um, for anybody. It's a, it's a good little uh, series about a Wyoming sheriff and uh, his his uh, constituents and uh, neighboring um, Native brothers and sisters of the uh, Cheyenne Reservation, and great show. So uh, there's one for you, Sharon. Well, and and you know, I have to say, I just thought of one, and and this is just me. I love history. Um, the Ken Burns series. I know that's not for everybody, but mm. boy, 
I can watch one of those. I can when I do have time, which hasn't been lately. Um, but post IPCPR, I'm going to be I'm going to finish the West. That's that oh, was yeah. an amazing series. And I watched the one about Vietnam. And for those of you who haven't been able to sit down and watch his series, they are phenomenal. If you want to know about the history of this country and I, it just uh, unbelievable. He does an yeah. amazing yeah, Ken Burns documentaries. I yeah. I could watch them all the time, whether it's baseball or Civil War or or World yeah. War Two or Vietnam or any of them. He does a great job. Um, speaking of documentaries, um, last week we had on uh, Jesse and Steve, uh, who made the movie Handrolled. And just to give everybody an update, it was available for rent and purchase on iTunes. It is now available for rent and purchase on Amazon. So. Um, if you're not an iTunes Apple user, go on Amazon and buy that movie, support the industry. Um, and if, uh, and it will be out, uh, probably within the next, uh, two weeks, uh, on, uh, on the Google play store. So, uh, definitely support that, uh, film because it supports the industry that we love so much. Absolutely. Um, uh, just to, uh, there's a segment that I keep forgetting every week and I'm not going to forget it this week. Uh, we call it notable smokables. Just a few cigars that I've enjoyed that Garrett and I have enjoyed over the, over the past week. Um, uh, just, uh, if it's something you haven't maybe heard of or, or something that you enjoy, might want to revisit that cigar. These are things that we've, uh, enjoyed over the last week. Uh, my first one was, uh, uh, one that I love. I can't smoke it very often because it's a little high on the price point, but, the, the Davidoff Winston Churchill <laughs> yeah. late hour. And of course I had to have it in the Churchill size just yep. because, you know, it's Sir Winston baby. So I That's had to, right. it's a, it's a great cigar. It's uh you know, it's, it's got some of that barrel aged tobacco in it. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's one of those cigars that especially that Churchill size, you cut aside some time, you make sure you've got time to just sit back and enjoy that one. That's I enjoyed, one I enjoyed watching you <laughs> yeah. smoke that. <laughs> um, uh, for me, it was the uh, four kicks. Uh, especial 2018 and uh, gosh, that cigar. I um, local B and M found a box tucked away and I, uh, I grabbed a handful and I'm just about through them. Yeah. And uh, it's a fantastic, they did a good job with that blend. Yeah. Um, my next one was uh, uh, another big brand, but, and another high price cigar. I just, I decided to pull out some, some, uh, some of my higher priced ones this week, just to, just to, uh, you know, fall in love with them all over again. And it was the Fuente Don Carlos, the man. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous, but it was a great cigar. It's, it's one that I enjoy just a couple times a year. Cause it's, you know, a little up there in price, but still. Well, li- likewise, my, my second one is the, uh, eye of the shark. Oh, okay. Uh, another that, Fuente. Another nice. Fuente and never disappoints. Yeah. Love that, um, soft box press on that and beautiful cigar. And my last one, uh, of note from this week was the, the Tatuaje, um, Reserva SW short, which I always liked that SW, but it's a, you know, it's a big Churchill size cigar. And I, I was very grateful with the fact that they came out with the shorter one. Um, you know, it's that, uh, I think it's four and a half or five by 48, um, still got that great flavor from that blend, uh, that, that Pete put together, but you know, a little bit less time and, uh, another great cigar from, uh, our friends at Tatuaje. Mm-hmm. And my third goes to my budget category of the, uh, the Oscar, um, um, the Oscar or Omar, um, 
Omar, no, not Oscar. Omar Ote- Ortez. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, Omar Ortez originals. Yeah, yeah. Good budget cigar. Gosh, good budget cigar. And Omar just—he's such a great tobacco mind. He really just he? knows tobacco. Yeah, and it, even his daughter, um, Indiana, is coming up in the business. Oh, and, cool. Um, that's actually thank you for the segue. You didn't even know you were giving me a segue, but mm-hmm. this is a good segue because uh, coming up uh, on. The 20th of this month, um, our guest on the show is going to be Mr. Michael Giannini from Ventura Cigar oh, Company. Cool. Uh, Michael's been in the tobacco business, uh, the cigar business for a long time, and he's with uh, Ventura Cigar Company, and um, there's a lot of good things coming from that company, whether it's the Archetype Series or the Psycho Series. So they've you know been doing good work, and uh, Michael's going to join us on the show in a couple of weeks. Awesome. So um, Robert and Sharon... Um, before we close out the show, um, just give everybody a, a kind of a quick rundown on, you know, besides the the Jacob's Ladder Brimstone, um, there's also a couple other things that you introduced. Unfortunately, we were unable to be at the trade show this year because my wife and I were closing on a new house, so we were unable to attend. Uh, but we we were uh, fortunate to be able to watch all our friends in the cigar media give great coverage um, of all the companies. But we know you guys had a couple new releases uh, coming out this year, in addition to, like I said, the Jacob's Ladder Brimstone. So give us a quick rundown on those. I would like to say it's only a couple, but anniversary years, <laughs> we celebrated big time. Uh, we started with the Lustrum, which was a reblend of the Kudzu, which is that uh, Bellicoso Fino 5.5 by 52 with the uh, Nicaraguan grown Habano Media Tiempo. Uh, it's now a, a Nicaraguan Puro, if you will. Um, came out in a single size, 10 count Mazo. I think you guys have those in your stash there. You should have got them in your media kit. Yes, sir. Uh, the only limited production cigar that we've ever produced uh, to celebrate our anniversary. And uh, it went out, obviously, to the media. Uh, we were we were blessed to have the media cover that live at the show. Uh, we followed that up on day one with the Desert Rose, which is a mm. celebratory reblend anniversary series of the Rose of Sharon using, uh, again, in the Bellicoso format. Again, we like to use that in the reblends uh, for the special releases. Um, that is also in a Bellicoso format. Uh, that is the Ecuadorian uh, cloud-grown claro. It's a heavier, hardier, thicker leaf than the original Rosa Sharon. And we also added uh, 25% uh, Corojo 99 Lejero to the Piloto Cubano. So it's, uh, it's stepped up in body. It's stepped up in flavor. Uh, and that's a full production cigar that we've been shipping all over the world uh, uh, since the trade show. Um, this, the Jacob's Ladder Brimstone you just mentioned was the line extension for the Jacob's Ladder. Uh, Cedrus, we just released the Robusto Toro Gordo uh, <clears throat> in the box press format, 20 count box and bundles at the show. Uh, finding their ways into a lot of hands. I think you guys probably got some Toro to try that out. Uh, that was the original baseline blend any. Duki Sumatra, very savory, very uniquely different than anything we've ever done. Um, they, speaking of value lines, the 300 hand series that's done so well that benefits our uh, charities down in Esteli, uh, we added a third blend, which is the, uh, three, is the 300 hands Connecticut, Connecticut, USA, a beautiful Peruvian binder, lots of great spices, Corojo 99, Corojo 98. And we release those in all five of the classic sizes that each of the 300 hands come out in. We've been shipping those. And then, of course, uh, we had just released before the show 
uh, and started shipping the Ignite 2019 series. Uh, it's a private blend series of five blends. At some point, they'll all be out this year. Right now, we have the private blend number one, Connecticut, uh, which is Ecuadorian Connecticut uh, and uh, Dominican and Nicaraguan binder filler combinations. Nice medium bodied, uniquely different Connecticut. Uh, the Habano, which is uh, the number three series, Again, uh, a, a beautiful combination of Nicaraguan, Brazilian tobaccos in that cigar. And then my favorite uh, release, I think, of the show uh, is the Ignite Series Number 4 Corojo, which is a, a, a Puro in a sense that it's Corojo 99 from three different countries. We released it originally in the Rothschild 5x50 uh, in the 10-count Ignite Humajars to benefit the Navy SEAL Foundation. And uh, we have two, three more releases coming out this year in that series. So we, in fact, released 11 new cigars at the trade show. Wow. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, on uh, A few weeks ago, Garrett and I traveled down to Kentucky to visit with Tom at uh, Fat Ash Cigar Lounge there in Ashland. And on our trip, we enjoyed um, some of those cigars that you were so generous to send to us. Mm-hmm. And we on the way there, we enjoyed the, the Cedrus Toro, um, which was tremendous and then on the way home i i saved it for the way home because i wanted to i wanted to really just sort of you know savor that in the in the car on the drive home and we uh we lit up the uh the the uh, kudzu lustrum Mm -hmm. and uh i I don't want to spoil anything but when the review comes on to howaboutthatcigar.com uh it's it's gonna score high because we were both blown away by that cigar yep and um, so, so well done on that blend. And uh, we we're just so excited to try everything. And, um, you know, we're, we're grateful for you guys and, and to see everything that you've come out with and, and uh, you know, just what's happened with your brand since you guys started. It's uh, it's just a great treat to see you guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, continue to drive and, and, and push and, and uh, you know, just strive for, uh, for this thing that you've put together and we're grateful for every piece of it. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and we're honored. Listen, you know, I, I say this on pretty much every podcast or show, but we're very mindful that our partners have allowed us to, to do what we do and how we do it. Uh, the media is an, is a, is a integral part of that, uh, being able to reach your consumers as well that are actually talking with the retailers. You know, it takes everybody in this, in this process to achieve the result that we're trying to achieve. And, you know, this year we decided not to implement a price increase going into the show. We felt like it was important to keep what we had on the market at, a, at the price that we set, despite the obvious increases in cost. We'll, we'll accept the lower margins. We want to keep those moving. Uh, and we took advantage of that as an anniversary by bringing a, a kind of a, quite a few line extensions. But they were planned out for five years to do that. But uh, that being said, um, uh, we missed you at the show, and uh, we know you'll be there next year. We probably won't have 11 releases next year, but I tell you what, we'll probably have something exciting. We like to use the show to unveil and to share new things. But, uh, um, you know, we're excited. We, we, we truly believe that we produced this year the best Connecticut we could probably can blend. Uh, we took the time. It took years and years and years to get it right. The Desert Rose, we're so proud of it. We believe that we released the best Maduro broadleaf that we can with the Jacobs Ladder. Again, it's about time and fermentation. We know for a fact that our lustrum is the best we can do, and we have access to a lot of things, but that many at Tiempo, it's just, it, it, I, I said it's a limited release, but I'm so anxious 
anxious to see if we can put that into full production because I'm that excited about that blend. And then, of course, on the value side, we just feel like, uh, you know, we want to keep supporting the charities and through Ignite and 300 Hands, the more media support, and the more consumer retailer support, the more difference we can make in the lives of a lot of people there. So uh, in, in saying that, I'll be quiet and let the boss talk. She <laughs> Well, I always say we couldn't do it without you, and we're grateful for the opportunity, for the time, for the people who are watching. Um, this is all about you, and we do what we do because of you. So God bless everyone. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Um, so uh, thank you guys again for being on the show. Uh, everybody who's watching, everybody who's listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thanks again. Please take uh, just a minute and, and like it and share it and subscribe it and all that good stuff. You know, it helps us keep going and it helps uh, companies like Southern Draw get the word out. Um, and as we say at the end of every show, burn cigars, not bridges. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.